0: Rockheads, stop recalibrating your microphone array and listen up. It's time for another stellar episode of .NET Rocks, the Internet audio talk show for .NET developers, with Carl Franklin and Rory Blythe. This is Jeff Masilek here to announce show number seventy-nine with guest Dave Wecker. Recorded live Friday, September third, two thousand four. .NET Rocks is brought to you by Franklin's Net training developers to work smarter, and now offering hands-on VBNet and ASPNet classes remotely online at www.franklins.net and by Data Dynamics, makers of actorreports.net. Simple, powerful, and cost-effective reporting for Windows Forms and ASP.NET web applications. Online at www.datadynamics.com And by Dundas Chart, advanced technology, advanced results. Online at www.dundaschart.com Support is also provided by Code Magazine, Microsoft technologies in-depth for IT managers and developers. Online at www.code-magazine.com And now, the man who has been picked at the peak of geekness, Carl Franklin!
1: Thank you, thank you. I'm Carl, and you're listening to .NET Rocks, live in New London, Connecticut. And uh, let me just go ahead and introduce my co-host, my partner in crime out there in Portland, Oregon, Rory Blythe. What's up, man? What's up, Carl? How you doing? You know, I was thinking tonight as I was listening to the song and Jeff do the intro, as he always does, that, you know, our list of sponsors keeps growing and that after a while, if we get any more, we're going to have to, like, do the extended version of Toy Boy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. you have to make a dance mix or something. I don't know. <laughs> How you been? I've been good. Um,
2: I'm at the end of four weeks of traveling around the States. Starting off in Texas, going to Fort Lauderdale, and then Miami, and then Portland, and then Kentucky, and then Cincinnati, and then Portland, and then uh, and then Tacoma, and then Portland, and then Boulder, Colorado, and then Denver, and back home. And I am tired. Yeah, I, I guess feel so. really, really, really good, but I am, I am exhausted. So I'm happy to be home. I'm gonna have the week off from traveling. Still gonna have to work, but uh, I'm not gonna be doing any traveling this week. And then I'll be heading up to Olympia and Seattle the week after. Wow, cool. So cool yeah feeling pretty good awesome um, just wanted to go to bed at some point
1: yeah i know the feeling yeah. we had a kind of a I got, I got a i got
2: a cool thing i got it i got a cool toy got a cool toy what you got I got an IPAC sixty three fifteen. These are the brand new pocket PC, iPac phones. Sweet. It's got the built in camera, it's got uh it's got the Wi Fi, it's got the Bluetooth, it's got the this, it's got the that. The thing is really, really sweet. I've I've been playing with it all day long, just messing with it. I it, it had been I wanted to get a new uh pocket PC and it had been such a long time since I had owned one. The last one I had was uh was an IPAC I don't even remember what it was. It was uh it was like the thirty eight hundred series, really, really old. So I am impressed with the new stuff they've got going on with Windows Mobile 2003. It is it's sweet stuff. So I've well, been, that, I've been that's, playing with that. That's all very time.
1: cool and it's very appropriate for our show tonight. Uh, the guest is Dave Wecker, who's on the mobility team and uh, we're going to be introducing him in a bit. Uh, I spent the week editing the movie, doing the final edit, I might say, for .NET Rocks the movie. Finally got all the DVD stuff straightened out and we have the uh cool. we're coming down to the wire. So it probably won't be very long. Before we have that movie ready. And we're also going to throw some bonus tracks on the DVD and we got to get it mass produced and stuff. And we're going to... It's going to be free, but there's going to be a charge for shipping and handling because we're not doing yeah. that. We're outsourcing that. So we want to make sure we're covering it. And, <laughs> and Data Dynamics is also stepping up to uh, to sponsor uh, the production of that DVD. So big shout out to Data Dynamics. Thank you very much. And also, Ooh. also, we're not done here announcing... We're also having a co- uh, Code Magazine-sponsored party for .NET Rocks listeners and uh, pre- uh, previous guests at uh, Mandalay Bay Resort uh, or somewhere around there in Las Vegas, Saturday, November 6th. So it's going to be like an all-afternoon, all-the-evening kind of bash. We, d- we haven't nailed down the exact logistics of this yet like which room it's going to be in. But uh, Code Magazine has stepped up to say they'd sponsor the party. And it's just going to be a get-together for all our fans who want to just, you know, a couple hundred-dollar ticket to Las Vegas is no big deal, round-trip ticket. Just come in, have a party, you know, meet with us and uh, meet with uh, some of our guests. And and, uh, there you go. So I'm looking forward to that, really looking forward to both of those things. We may even show the movie there. That'd be fun. So uh, we have some mail, a little bit of mail. Uh, first of all, I want to announce that uh, I don't know if you ever played this game. It's a logic game called Sherlock by Everett Kaser. No. Uh, go to I www.kaser.com, K-A-S-E-R.com. And uh, Everett's a S E R. Yeah. This is a, a game, a logic game where you – you know those logic puzzles where you have like a grid, you have a matrix – and you have yeah. clues like this house is next to that house and it has these characteristics sure. and this one is two spaces to the left of this house and you have to find out what order they're in. Well, it's like that yeah. with visual icons of people and numbers okay. and letters and and it's a very addictive game. And, and any any programmer who's looking for some way to amuse themselves while listening to .NET Rocks if they don't happen to be driving should go check out this game, Sherlock. We're working. Yeah. Yeah should go check out www.kazer.com and and, uh, support him. It's pretty cheap, too. But anyway. Cool. So the first piece of mail is uh, from Simon Littlehales from the UK, and he writes, Hi, Carl and Rory. I'm a total latecomer to the .NET Rocks radio broadcast, but having stumbled on it, I've been busy downloading several of your past episodes. It's a familiar story. The show is excellent. It could have been so dry and boring, but instead it's infused with humor and anecdotes. Hope you stick to the MP3 format, as it's much better than video. It's made my journey to work much more enjoyable, and I could even go as far to say productive. Very cool. Hmm. Anyway, I was this is great. I was listening to your show on my iPod when my girlfriend, Leslie, asked what I was listening to. It was actually the September 2000 show with uh, Juval Lowy. I don't think we were doing it in 2000. Probably 2002. Show with Juval Lowy on Com Plus. Uh, To save face, I considered lying and saying Marilyn Manson or Aerosmith, but I thought she should really accept me (laughs) for the latent geek I am. So I actually explained that Juval was talking about loosely coupled, cued events. Seeing the blank expression on her face, I realized how submerged in crazy terminology us developers get. See, I said, you're none the wiser, are you? Just out of interest. What on earth did you think that means? She thought a moment and said, an orgy? So there you go. <laughs> I think this new term should be picked up by the Complus community immediately. <laughs> Keep up the good work. <laughs> Thanks, man. Look for your .NET Rocks lunchbox in the mail pretty soon. Uh, and Sorian Lund says, hello, Carl, Carl, Rory, and Richard. Last night I listened to my first live .NET Rocks show, and I just have to make a post about it because the experience was so damn cool. The topic was about coding with least privilege, which I don't really see the point in being an ASP.NET developer and all, which is kind of strange because I thought we talked about that. Anyway, I even wanted to ask a question about that, but somehow it didn't make it through. I think he was just a bit late to the discussion, that's all. So here's my question again. Is my assumption that coding with least privilege is something primarily for WinForm programmers correct, or am I missing the bigger picture? I hope that you can answer a question for me even though it's a little late. And uh, yeah, uh, with... With SP.NET, as uh, Don was talking about, you have issues about being in the right user group. You have to be a member of debugger users. You have to be a member of Visual Studio users. You also may have issues in talking with SQL Server. It's actually more of a pain to develop with Visual Studio as a user uh, and not administrator than it is to develop Windows applications. With Windows applications, it's pretty straightforward. So anyway, go back and listen to that because, yeah, I think you did, Soren, come in a little bit late to the discussion and you missed that point. And uh, Jason Ward says, hi, Carl and Rory. I just wanted to say first what a fantastic job you guys do every week. I started listening to DNR about a year ago, and I just can't get enough. Every week I listen to the show on my iPod when I'm commuting to work, and so far I have every episode. Unfortunately, the time difference between London and the States doesn't allow me to listen to the show live, but I look forward to every Monday when I get my fix. Also, I have to give Rory my congrats for landing himself a job at Microsoft. Microsoft. I'm certain you're going to get uh, you're going to do a great job. I myself have been looking into getting a development position in Microsoft for quite some time now, and I'd really appreciate any tips you could give me on making it happen. And of course, if there's any Microsoft guys listening to the show tonight, please request a copy of this message be sent to you. Uh, once again, great. so Roy, what do you think? Uh, What's the, what's your tip for Jason on landing a job at Microsoft? How do put you a, get a job? At put my up a blog, <laughs> swear profusely. Well, uh, talk well, I'm, about. I'm
2: looking back at the. I'm looking back at the past year, you know, and I'm I'm trying to figure out how in the hell I've gotten any jobs ever. Period. And uh, I think I think the first step um, is probably to find the. And and I'm being I'm being serious here for once. The first step I would say is to find the job that you want and that actually makes sense for you. Because I've been contacted before, and and uh, I. I, I have been made aware of some cool job opportunities at Microsoft, but nothing that really fit the bill for me at the time. And uh, I think that if you either wait or search for the position at Microsoft that really fits for you, uh, then probably applying for it and just going through the interview process is, is uh, the first thing you want to do. And then you learn something about the Microsoft interview, interview process as well. So that, that's not such a bad way to do it. And, and if that doesn't work, then, yeah, Carl's right. Put up a blog and swear a lot and uh, <laughs> draw totally incomprehensible comics. But, there you go. <laughs> um, yeah. Be good at what you do. That's uh, also helpful. Um, they don't like to hire uh, people who are, like, total amateurs at whatever the given position is, right? So, yeah.
1: Well, and that's, be good at what you that's do. all for the mail, and now it's time for the news. So, Roy got some news for us this week. I have some
2: news. Um, the news that got me pretty excited here uh, first doesn't have a URL, so you're not going to be able to go and, and read about it. It's just a sort of general announcement. Um, it's that Creative Zen Portable Media Player has been released, so it's available for purchase at Best Buy and Fry's. And what is this? One of those now? things that I got really excited about. It's the it's the new portable media center. You know, just kind of like you got the media center that that sits on your desktop, but this is the little tiny pocket one that you can take with you on the plane. It's got a 20 gig drive, which is good for something like uh, 80 hours of video, I think, or something like that, which is more video. I mean, your battery is going to run out long before that's over. How many ASCII art versions uh,
1: of Deep Throat can that hold, actually? I'm just curious. Oh,
2: dear. Uh, That was not one of the specifications listed on the website. I'm sorry. Um, You could call customer support and ask about that. You could say. You know, I've got this friend who just wants to know um, how many ASCII porns he could stick on his portable media center. (laughs) Get it? Stick? Because it's ASCII. Never mind. Okay. Anyway. Anyway. Okay, so so I'm excited about that. These things are going to be under 5 they are under $500 and they're available now, but Microsoft has been pretty clear that they are intended mainly for uh, technology enthusiasts and early adopters. In other words, uh, that's probably going to be me. That's
1: a disclaimer meaning it's not always going to do exactly
2: what you think it's going to do. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think what it means is um it's, it's going to be a tweaky. little expensive at first because oh, it's okay. not quite as mass produced as as they're going to be. You know, I mean, the, I'm guessing that, th- I mean, this is the first wave of them. We've only got one on the shelves, so it's it's not as widespread. Uh, you don't have competing products, so you you, you aren't going to get the benefit of having, you know, like dueling portable media centers, the one that's going to give you the, the better capacity, the better speed, the better whatever, the better battery life. Yeah, yeah. But I'm still excited about this enough. The first time I saw these, I, I just about wet my pants, so I'm excited about it. I love the idea of being able to take all my movies with me on the plane, especially now that I do a lot of traveling.
1: That's So awesome. that's
2: the first news item. Cool. The second news item is that Sun has released the Java 2 Platform Standard Edition version 5 release candidate. Um, The URL for that is shrinkster.com slash HV, just in case people like to check it out. Because I always encourage people to take a look and see what's going on elsewhere. Um, If you want to see some irritating syntax for attributes, for example, then this (laughs) is a good place to look. The other thing that is really interesting about this is it's Java 2 Platform Standard Edition version 5. Um, so they've got some really mm. cool branding going on there that just doesn't make any flipping sense at all, but I don't care. That's all <laughs> Java right. Java two cool. version five. yeah, um, I get it. Yeah. So Java two version five.
1: Right. Yeah.
2: Uh, and I liked it sure. too when they, when when uh Java two was actually like version one dot whatever it was. Um one dot uh oh I forget. Um one dot two. That was that was Java version two. It's been so confusing. All right. So uh that's again that's shrinkster.com slash H V. Okay. And the next news item is HP is releasing an iPod clone, uh, which is kind of cool. So that's going to be shrinkster.com slash HX. The the only problem here is that because all they're really doing is licensing this sucker from Apple, you're not going to see any real competition. So they're just going to put their own really ugly case on the iPod. But at least we're having it. At least we got it coming out from more than one vendor. So that's a step in the right direction, I think. Um, Cool. But the one that I saw really was kind of... It looks sort of like somebody had run over a zebra. That's what the case looked like. (laughs) Um, which may or may not be your thing. I don't know. So that, that's all right. Finally, uh, Miguel Diacaza has responded to the news about Longhorn, the, the delays, and also the fact that certain features going to be backported to XP and 2003. The link to that post is shrinkster.com slash HW. That's shrinkster.com slash HW. And I think that that's probably a good read for anybody who's interested in this Longhorn stuff, just because Miguel... Is not only a really intelligent and interesting guy, but also someone who's kind of on the outside, so he has a different perspective on all this from the rest of us. And that is the news this week.
1: Awesome, man! It's kind of a uh, a device oriented news week.
3: Now obey.
1: Well, Rory. Uh, man, man, it's been, uh, been quite a, quite a week. I've been looking forward to the show because our guest is Dave Wecker, whom I met Uh out at the, uh, tablet PC, uh, round table there, the, the train, the trainer kind of, uh, the tablet PC thing that I went to. Can't remember the name of the actual marketing term right now. But anyway, uh, he spoke to us about some of the technologies that are there and available in the tablet PC. And where they came from, and uh, in the course of his discussion, he started talking about some of the his visions of the future about where the tablet's going with speech recognition, with handwriting recognition, and some some people who are doing some interesting things right now that just absolutely blew me away. He was a very dynamic speaker, looking at his resume is like uh, you know reading an adventure story for <laughs> nerds you know it's like uh. Yeah, you know, uh, and I'll and I'll just read a little bit of of what he sent me here. He says, "I started out in 1973 in Miami doing payroll systems before going to CMU for a BSEE, and by the way, filled with acronyms. This this is filled with acronyms. Some of these I don't even understand."
2: Bovine spongy form encephal- encephalopathy <laughs> yes, isn't that BSE? Right.
1: <laughs> I work. I worked. I knew that one. I worked through school in the AI labs <laughs> at CMU, focusing on ASR then Mellon Institute uh, on Industrial Systems before grad school, CMU, MSIA, slash MBA. During that time, I interned at Mitsui in Tokyo and Westinghouse in Pittsburgh in corporate planning. Next, I went to work in D.C. as an international business consultant in China, India, and Nigeria before moving to DEC, where I spent 13 years. I participated in a wide range of projects, Including compound documents, C D S S, or is that five five? No, I think that's SS. Adaptive DB for performance, diddly, D I D D L Y, Video Telcon, VTel, Igor, I G O R, many demos at shows, two thousand plus in two years. Uh listen to this. I ported Ultrix to the Alpha, hmm. RT audio handling for X Windows, and founded the ASR group at CRL. And we're gonna have to find out what that is. I was the only engineer in the history of DEC to win the Marketing Excellence Award. And uh, that's pretty obvious when you hear how enthusiastic he is. I came to Microsoft in 1995 and helped create the quote-unquote Blender. I designed and started implementing a broadband MSN offering when I was asked to join the new CE group, where I was architect for the HPC V1 and V2, as well as AutoPC V1 and Power and PPC. I don't know if that's PowerPC. PPC V1. I was also dev manager. I moved to IIT and resurrected SHRDLU for the NL research, as well as building a state-of-the-art NN-based ASR system. I warned you about this. Uh, I was then asked to come back to CE to manage sync and wireless efforts. I worked on a next-gen technology for MDD before uh, moving to e-books, where I implemented secure DRM on PPCs, the black box. I created and was director of e-periodicals before taking on the role of architect for emerging technologies, in this role, I've had many responsibilities, including getting the GM-MS-Microsoft uh, relationship off the ground. I currently work for Mobile Platforms Division as an architect. I have 13 patents for Microsoft and eight Ship It Awards. When I'm not working, I enjoy fly fishing, telemark skiing, scuba and woodworking, and reprogramming the house my wife and I built about four years ago, completely fly-by-wire. We've been married for over 20 years, and I also enjoy writing code for fun. I work here because I love what I do. How's that? Is that just like an incredible story? Please welcome Dave Wecker. That
4: really Hi, guys. Is something, yeah. cool.
1: Hey, Dave. How are I, you?
4: I have got oh, to did. rewrite that.
1: <clears throat> okay. I
4: did, I've never read it aloud. I'm getting rid of every acronym next time around.
1: <laughs> there was only actually a couple. That. <laughs> there was well, only actually a couple. was
4: Pocket PC. Okay. But you just got a new one. All right. Okay. The rest of them, most didn't matter. It's okay. <laughs> ASM. Oh, ASR, um, ASR? automatic speech yeah. recognition. Oh, cool.
1: Wow. Okay, and cool.
4: CRL was the Cambridge Research Lab for DAC. That was their research arm.
1: So the, it was really a fascinating uh, talk. You were talking about microphone arrays, and uh, you know, I remember one conversation. we were talking about somebody who's working on separating. And Jeff, you'd be interested in this separating uh, sources in a stereo field and isolating them mm-hmm. and into single mono wave files that don't have any anything else but that one source in them. Right. And I thought that was absolutely f- phantasmic, amazing, whatever. And I guess it's like top secret. We can't really talk about it. No,
4: no, no, no. So, some of the basic stuff, you know, are the idea of speech recognition is a great idea. But it doesn't do much good if there's plenty of noise around, it's mixed with all sorts of other things. Yeah. Especially since everybody doesn't really like wearing headsets you'd like right. to have the mic nowhere near you. Right. So can you use multiple microphones and other techniques to figure out who's speaking and just pass that data on to the system? Right. And so, you know, if you think about it, it's the cocktail party problem. You know, you go to a cocktail party, you're able to focus on one person. And you can pick up that person and kind of tune out the rest of it. Well, computers can't do that, but we'd like to.
1: And people are making progress. Well, I have, I have a
2: oh, question yeah. here, real quick, Dave. Um, um, where uh, is is it is it that computers can't do it, or we just don't know how to do it? I oh no, mean, we what, don't what's know. The Obviously, exactly? they why could. It is, why is if it people
4: the... can do it; they should be able to. Oh. And mm-hmm. it's more the case of okay. it's either we know how to do it, but take the ridiculous amount of CPU to do it, so you can't afford to do it. Okay. Or in some areas, we just don't know how to do it, and we have some ideas, but hmm. it, it's one of those areas that progress is being made, but we're not there yet. Okay,
2: yeah. So, so we're looking for like a stopgap measure, kind of.
4: Well, you know, any improvement helps. I mean, if, if you buy any of the tablets mm-hmm. today, at least two or three of them have microarrays built in already.
1: Let's define what that is.
4: Okay. Well, a microarray is using more than one microphone, so you can form a beam. If you think about it, Let's say you had four microphones in a row, you could delay the input coming to each one of them and then combine it. What you get is just like you had a parabolic mirror. You can focus in on a single spot. So if you're speaking in front of the tablet, Hmm. any other sound from anywhere except that gets muted way down. And as soon as you do that, Hmm. you can now pull the one voice out even if there's lots of people or lots of noise going on in the same area.
1: It's weird, because when I think of more microphones, I think of more noise, not less noise. Well, so But the idea is that you can focus the mic where exactly. the person is. not exactly. the, Yeah.
4: And the more, it's actually the more mics, and depending on how far apart they are, the better you can do. Sure. So the initial systems are using two microphones, because there are a lot of stereo chips available, so it's easy to get two inputs. The next breakthrough will be going to three and four microphones.
1: I imagine three would be a magic number there, right?
4: It actually is because you set them up um, an angle to each other, one on one corner and then the two others off the other direction, because then you can steer up, down, and left and right. Uh. What that also lets you do is lay the device like a tablet down in the middle of a conference table and change the steering for whoever's speaking. So you then the system will be able to figure out who the person is, ID them, and focus out everybody else but the person who's speaking. Hmm. Think of that for voice okay. IM or voice chat.
1: What, are the, what do the tablets do with mic arrays? Are they just simply stereo inputs right now, or is there any actual intelligence behind them?
4: Oh, there's a lot of intelligence behind it, but it is stereo input, but then they take those two signals and they do a lot of signal processing on the back end. So they actually do a very good job. Uh, if you get to play with um, two examples, would be the Toshiba or the motion computing unit both have the stereo mics or the, the micro-rays in them. And I know today I was doing my email with a motion machine sitting on my lap without using a headset, and I was able to dictate all my mail today with no problem.
1: Hmm. So what do you, do you do anything with the speech uh, server, Microsoft speech server, in the SDK?
4: Um, not too much. I mostly work on the client side. Okay. Um, I know most of the guys over there, and uh, there's a lot of you know great technology that, that's gone out the door and has gone out the door. But I've focused more, since my background was in the little devices, the, the e-devices at the company, and now on things like laptops and tablets, I've been focusing more on what can we do on the client.
1: And, well, what can you do on the client? Let's, let's talk well,
4: about that. Well, the full speech system runs there. I mean, when, when you get Office uh, or tablet running, they all come with the speech system available. And all you've got to do is go into the control panel, train up the speech profile, just go to speech in the control panel, and the best thing is to plug a microphone in that has a good headset, and you'll be surprised at how much you can do. You can do dictation, you can do control of the system by voice. Um, Like I said, in the evenings, I do my email almost completely by voice.
1: And you dictate your replies and stuff, too? Exactly. And it deals with your acronyms and all that stuff? Well,
4: actually... Does There's a, a research project that will be coming out sometime in the future, I'm assuming, let's put my disclaimer on there, um, that reads all your email before it sets up the speech running. Oh. And it figures out all the acronyms and the names of people you use mm. and their email addresses and everything else,
5: Sweet. so it
4: adds it to the grammar. And so not just the standard you know, 50,000 or 100,000 word dictionary, it also throws in a tailored grammar specifically for you. And it's amazing. I can sit there and just say the name of an email alias, and it gets it right, within the full email address for me.
1: Wow, hmm. that is cool.
4: Toys
2: are good. so. Did you have Did you have anything at all? Oh, I'm sorry. Did you have anything at all to do with um, uh, Microsoft Voice Command, the program for the? Um, I work with because I just picked it up closely.
4: today. Um, mm-hmm. There, that whole team at here are all good friends of mine, and in fact, I had lunch okay. with the uh, product unit manager for for that product today. And uh, I use it mm, on my smartphone. I use it on my Pocket PC.
1: Yeah, Yeah, I use it too. I love it.
2: Yeah, I, I had never seen it before today. And I saw the reviews for people saying things like, I've never had voice recognition software that worked this well before where I didn't have to train it. It just worked flawlessly right out of the box. And then I picked it up. I plugged it in and... I just said to my phone, call Corey, and bam, it just called Corey. I didn't have to train it. It understood the first time. It was, it, it was very nice, and then I started telling it what numbers to dial. I was very impressed. What's There's amazing a lot of really cool stuff coming out of Microsoft. is the same right engine
4: now. that's on the desktop. Wow. The same speech engine. Really? We've cut the grammar down, you know, some of the size, but it's actually the same code running that's on the desktop, <laughs> fitting in <laughs> your little smartphone in your pocket That's really PC cool. That's huh. what you get from really having cool. a platform, right? Yeah,
1: right. Rory, yeah. does your new smartphone have Voice Command?
2: It's actually it's a Pocket PC phone, um, and right. I bought Voice Command for it about four hours ago uh-huh. and installed it and got really excited. So, Ooh. so the um, other yeah, fun it's brand thing new to is, me, and I hadn't bought yeah.
4: I don't know how much music Go you're going right. to put on the Pocket PC, you know, put some storage on it, but it's great mm-hmm. for picking out tracks and specific albums and artists by voice.
1: Yeah, yeah. yeah.
4: Yeah, I saw
2: that listed in the uh, in the help file, and that sounded pretty cool, where you can even ask it, you know, what song are we listening to, pretty much? Um, oh, you who can't. Who wrote it? Yep. And I, 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 yeah, so that that's that's pretty incredible. I thought that was great. I think it's so cool that I have that on my phone, and I'm going to be able to go on the airplane or something, or not on the airplane, but get in the car or just go somewhere and start talking to my pocket PC. I think that's great. I think that's incredible. People will think I'm crazy, but I'm going to be having <laughs> a really good time. So,
1: Hey, Dave. So what, that's mm-hmm. cool. You, Kudos. you know, we have these devices, Rory was talking about some in the news, and I have an iRiver and I have a Archos multimedia, you know, jukebox that has a 20 gig hard drive built in, and yet you have these iPacks that have, like, no storage and either that are really expensive electronic storage. What's the deal there? I mean, why the, why the disconnect? Why not, why not have many hard drives in these things, and are we going to have them soon?
4: Well, there's nothing to prevent it, first of all. I mean, CE supports... You know, the, the drives, there's no reason you can't do it. That's the first thing. And we don't build machines. The manufacturers do. Sure. Right. So the platform allows for it. And if someone wants to build, let's say, a you know 20 gig music player that's also a pocket PC, there's no reason they can't. In fact, Portable Media Center, you mentioned at the beginning, is a good example. Because mm-hmm. here's something designed to do lots of storage. It's built on CE. It does video. And it's in that class of product. Pocket PC was always viewed as the product that's more you know, information access, um, getting at data quickly, and would play music, but was never built as a music device to start with. Now, that's going to change probably, you'd think, with all the other uh, devices out there that have become popular. On the other hand, I have a Pocket PC that I've got several gigabytes of electronic storage on, and I use that you know when i go work out for my music player right and now actually i've switched over to a smartphone with a gigabyte on it and i listen to music Mm. i can read my mail because it's coming down synchronized on that and i even have my workout program and everything else on there
1: so why do you think these companies uh you know mm -hmm. compact and all these guys don't mm -hmm. don't have uh, does it take too much power
4: no it's just you know, Do they see the market, and is that something that they yeah. think is the right way to do it? It's a personal decision by each of these companies what they want to build.
1: Yeah, I guess so. It just seems weird to have two classes of devices about the same size, one that plays music and the other that plays some music, but the music one has all the storage. And I, yeah, I guess, but it'd be nice to see them come together. Have you seen these um, microchibes? I think it's Toshiba or... One of these companies the is making these, yeah, IBM. The
4: one-inch drive? Yeah. Yep.
1: Four-gig drives? Mm-hmm. You think those are going to make it into uh, pocket PC someday?
4: Um, I wouldn't be surprised. Well, like, we've always had the, the compact flash version from IBM. Right. And those you know, were, were popping in. Now, no one, of course, makes compact flash slots anymore Yeah, on, on the pocket PCs. They've all gone to SD. Yeah. But when we had compact flash for those years, you, know, you could buy a hard drive then. In fact, I still have a few of them. So, you know, it's again, it's back to what do they think people want and what are they going to build? I think the one inch drives are interesting more for, you know, smaller uh, music players. Like, you know, does everybody need 20 gigs?
5: Right? Yeah, yeah.
4: And, you know, a few gigs, like for me, would be plenty for what I keep on it. And it might be less power, it might be a smaller unit, you know, it just might be an interesting proposition. But I think the drives are interesting, yeah.
2: Cool. Well, also just cost. I mean, if you want to keep the if you want to keep the unit um, at the size of a pocket PC, you know, with the screen and with the buttons and with the battery and with this and with that, you would b- basically have to go with a microdrive, wouldn't you? And microdrives aren't cheap.
4: No. And that's mm. the problem. In fact, all drives, there's like a floor to what drives cost because of the mechanics and everything else. It's right. not really the amount of storage. So whatever the small mm. drive is, it's going to add. To the price of the unit, and it's a fairly significant price once it makes it to retail.
2: Right.
1: Yeah, and and also they seem to have, well, I don't know if that's because of the technology or the market, but they seem to be, you know, four four gigs is about it. But you know, flash memory is expensive too. So oh, very. It's just, it's just smaller, and I, I would imagine consumes less power.
4: But, oh, uh, great deal less. Plus, very little to read. Yeah, and. It's faster access times as well.
1: Yeah. So where do you where does your day and the programmers' day, or you know what you think about all day, and what programmers think about intersect?
4: Well, I haven't written any code for work for quite a while at this point. Um, this is, I think, what they call leverage, right? Right. Uh, <laughs> I give advice all day. <laughs>
1: You've done your coding, though. I mean, in Well,
4: I still code. I know I like to, but you know, do I have code running in a shipping product that's going out in the near future? No.
1: Was there anything that I missed in that uh, history of, of yours that was particularly significant as a coder?
4: Um, let's see. When the the handheld PCs and pocket PCs and all that came out, I wrote the mail system with another guy. Hmm. Um, in fact, that's when, in those days, no one thought anyone wanted to do mail on
1: yeah. Yeah,
5: a, right. a handheld
4: PC. Right. At that point, the old HPs had, you know, a mail package, but no one ever used it.
1: They were still thinking electronic faxes.
4: Exactly. (laughs) And so we did a final review with Bill for the handheld PC, and he looked at it and said, there's no mail. And the marketing guy says, yeah, we don't need it. Bill says, you don't have mail, it doesn't ship. (laughs) And then they came back and said, what are we going to do? And I said, you give me the other guy and leave us alone for two months and you'll have mail. Wow. And that's what happened. Great. So nice story. I wrote that. Um, a lot of the stuff I write is, uh, if you will, pre-production, prototype or demonstration of, of an idea. Like
1: R&D kind of stuff?
4: Yeah, I do a lot of R&D and a lot of handing code to the product group as they start with this.
1: Wow, that's a great a great thing to do.
4: Yeah, well, it's I like fun. that. <laughs> sure.
1: Yeah, that's right, because you don't have to worry about the details. You work at the creative uh, edge.
4: Well, but the details, I mean, I'm an architect. What an architect does is try to look at the larger picture and figure out out how the pieces are going to go together. Yeah. And so a lot of my time is taking the individual pieces and making sure they're going to come out together at the end.
1: Very cool. Very cool. So what what do you see as some of the directions that mobility is going to take us in the future? I mean, uh, put your wizard hat on here and speculate a little bit for us.
4: Well, you know, in fact, I had a debate on this today at work. Um, it's one of those things where you sort of know what people want, but it's hard to figure out how to deliver it They're for the whole industry, not yeah. just for us. You know, people want high mobility. They want a device they can have with them all the time. Right. They also want the PC. They want that generality. They want to have all the things, you know, Windows brings to them. Um, then again, they want consumer electronics right? They want it not just portable, but never have to think about it, never have to learn anything. You know, your phone is a good example. So smartphone is an example of moving that phone up the chain, right? So it does more for you, but it's still an awfully good phone. On the other hand, you look at the PC, there are more and more small PCs and things coming down, you know, for laptops and, and tablets that you can use in more and more places. So we're extending the PC more into the areas of having it with you most of the time, taking the devices with you all the time, and making them more useful. Yeah. And hopefully they meet somewhere. That's what I'm trying to see happen.
1: Yeah. And uh, and so the the speech stuff is obviously going to get more intense uh, mm-hmm. for for tablets. You see, you really see tablets as the sort of the. You know where that thing is heading, as opposed to the pocket PC. The pocket PC, to me, seems very specialized. It doesn't seem like it can be all things because it's you know small and well.
2: They're they're totally different things. Right? Sure. Well, sure.
1: Right. And I well, see the tablet PC yeah. as being more more universally adaptable to different things, where the pocket PC seems to be more data entry kind of take it take it on the road with you stuff.
4: Yeah, yeah. but as you start getting to smaller devices. Um, problem becomes one of how do you interact you know putting key you know you can put a keyboard on a pocket PC. yeah but <laughs> but it's not going to be on all the, on there all the time you can put thumb boards on it but it's hard to get the data in
1: yeah
4: um you can use various techniques you know, you could try a little laser projection keyboard well, like barcode have, readers right and you don't have right you can do all sorts of things but it's hard to get the data in and when you get too small yeah. Then it's hard to get the data out. It's hard to see sure. the display. You know, you try browsing the web on a small device. Yeah. It's hard. Yeah, that's so, why I
1: brought up barcode readers, because that, exactly. that seems like a perfect way to use the pocket PC. It's like you aim, point, press, you know. Right, and
4: those exist, RFID readers will be coming, all of that's gonna happen. Yeah. But the reason I like speech is when you get out of when you have a keyboard, keyboard works really well. Let's be honest. You can sure. learn it quickly, you can use it, you can get the data in fast. It's still not as fast as speech, but speech by definition isn't 100% correct, even if we did everything right. And the keyboard, if you type it right, it goes in right, you're done. So, you know, I don't see in the office everybody sitting there dictating to their machine.
5: Right.
4: But when you make these machines (laughs) mobile, the keyboards become harder to use if they even have a keyboard. And getting the data in becomes difficult. Right. And so, be it a very small laptop or tablet, or be it a uh, pocket PC or a smartphone or anything like that, speech becomes more and more useful as well as required.
1: So what uh, hmm. what kinds of applications besides dictation do you see speech sort of uh, taking over in, in the first? Because it really hasn't taken off. I mean, speech no. is... Yeah, it requires a lot of tweaking. It requires a lot of uh, work right now to to get anything decent, and it's still not a hundred percent. Where do you see? You know, when when the technology comes and it becomes drop dead easy, mm-hmm. where do you th- where do you think will be the first uh, sort of market to take over?
4: Well, I think uh, a couple of things. A side note before I answer it is, I think that um, when you look at speech, you've got some problems with expectation. Turns out, speech systems are a lot better than you think. They're actually as good or pretty equivalent to handwriting recognition, for example. People use handwriting on their tablets all day, and they love it. They use speech, and they say, well, it doesn't work that well. But if you look at the actual errors, they're about the same. The problem is when you write something, people assume nobody can read it. You know, I'm the only one who can read my own handwriting. But everybody understands you when you speak. The problem is it's just as hard to do either for the computer. So you write something, it gets it right most of the time, or more like 90-some-odd percent of the time, and you think, this is amazing, this is wonderful. You speak to it, it gets it right 90-some-odd percent of the time, which means it misses one out of ten words, and, oh, this is terrible. Right. The most problem you have are people who have really good handwriting. They can't understand why the tablet doesn't recognize them well, Hmm. because it turns out it's just as hard, no matter what. So it's just an interesting... Um, human expectation item about how we well we think it works versus how well it actually works. Now, back to where would you use it. Um, the main problem with speech is a socialization problem. I can't use it in many places. It's not socially acceptable. Yeah, so that's then where. The, then the question is, where is it acceptable? Where do you expect it to break through? I mean, I had one of the first auto PCs, which had speech recognition in it. And... It was wonderful. I could be going down the road and I could command the system. I didn't have to take my hands off the wheel. I didn't have to do anything other than tell it what I wanted. And automotive applications is definitely one area where you're going to see a lot of things happen and already are happening.
1: Now, you had a uh, hand in the Auto PC development, didn't you?
4: Oh, yeah. I was the architect. Okay. Well, there you go. Yeah. Right. Auto PC, uh. pocket PC, handheld PC. Blame me if you don't like them.
1: So, what happened? Nothing.
4: <laughs> we have a very. You know very strong automotive group, and they 're doing a lot of work and there 's a lot of things coming out from there
1: but auto p c it was the the clarion one has been out for a long time it didn 't seem to uh catch on mm-hmm. why what, what do you think happened there
4: oh it, it, the problem the automotive um uh, industry is very slow to adopt things, yeah, even from the time they say yes it 's five six years before you see it in new cars, okay so we have automotive for instance yeah, there was
2: like 5 years of no steering wheel for example and then finally <laughs> that wouldn't be on. good exactly
4: <laughs> it's been there already right but for instance a BMW 7 series has Windows CE in it
5: so now, it has it's not the automotive,
4: automotive huh. layer on top they did their own layer on top for that specific model okay but we're actually in a large number of vehicles uh, large number of the Japanese vehicles, you know, in Japan we actually have an entire automotive system that's running in several different manufacturers' cars. Uh, in Europe, there's a number of things coming, so and have already shipped. Okay. So the answer is it's coming, but it takes a long time. And so it's, it's been still, about five years yeah, since we started.
1: Right, Right. It's still coming. So tell us what the auto PC is, then, if for those who don't know.
4: Um, think of it as a system that sits in the car. You know, it's in your dash. Um, some of, and the problem is, again, it's a platform. How do you describe a platform, right? Just like the rest of Windows. So being a platform, it can have a single line display or a full graphics display. It may have speech input, it may not, you know, dot, dot, dot. There are a bunch of basic applications like navigation that come with platform, radio, DVD, or CD handler, know, on and on.
1: And email, too, right? Internet Oh, yeah. Access.
4: Oh, yeah. Basically, think of taking everything seal. you've got in the pocket PC, but making it friendly to the car, making it reliable for the car, all those sorts of things. It also is hooked into the diagnostic bus in the car. It can tell you when things are wrong hmm. in the car.
1: And it uses a speech synth to do that, right? Speech for, synthesizer?
4: Uh, for for the speech, there, there's, there's microphone for speech. It does cell phone also, by the way. Cool. You have GPS, cell phone, all of that integrated in that platform. Wow. Yeah,
1: it's amazing that uh, that hasn't been a, a geek toy, like you know.
4: Well, it is, but you know, aftermarket—it's kind of hard to hack your car, or yeah. it, it's kind of a pain. And what you really want to just be able to buy the car with it there to start <laughs> yeah, with, and it, all of that. That's and true. so it's mm-hmm. coming, but you know, it takes a while for the industry to adopt.
1: Okay. Yeah, I I was very excited about it, and then you just don't hear anything about it. You know, you don't hear don't hear that it's available. You don't hear people putting them in, and so. Yeah. Well, wow, congratulations on that, though. That sounds very cool. And what I meant by speech synth is that when, you, when you're, I heard that when you're checking your email, for example, you know, you would say, like, next, and it would just read using a speech synthesizer. Uh, oh,
4: synthesizer. I'm sorry, TTS, text-to-speech. Yeah, text-to-speech. Text yeah. There I go with acronyms again. Sorry. I'm sorry. Um, yes, it does have a text-to-speech system. Um, and by the way, that's also built into the tablet and laptop desktop systems as well. From you Jenna can have them read at your Asian
1: So from Jenna at Asianlovebabes.com.
4: Exactly. <laughs> Subject <laughs> hello. It's also amazing to hear some of the uh, uh, strides that are being made in Texas Speech. There's some systems now that are coming out of the labs that will be going into you know the actual product that that you you can't tell it's text to speech. It's amazing.
1: I have heard wow. some incredible TTS systems. Mm-hmm. The one that comes to the tablet is just sort of standard generic stuff. Yeah, but
4: the, the, the new ones that I'm talking about aren't out but yet. But these are... Us. They're not available.
1: I've, I've heard some incredible things that I really couldn't tell. And I've heard some things on the web. There was like a website or something, wasn't there, Rory, that you could like... Type in some text yeah, and it would Chris, make a Chris web
2: cells would link to it, and you would you would you would type in a sentence or two, and you would select like the Scottish woman, or you would right. select the French guy, yeah. or you would select the American accent or the Southern American accent. It made and, an MP3 and for and you. It, we, it, they, yeah, they they weren't all perfect, but some of them were just extraordinary. I really couldn't believe what I was hearing. It, it was such, it was so above and beyond. Um, Dr. Spadezo that uh, I was really impressed. I mean, it was way past that. When do you think? Hello, I am Dr. Spadezo I'm here to help you. You remember those? Days? Yeah, I yeah, do. Yeah. I was just taking a walk down memory lane there, but yeah, it was really cool.
1: My daughter's still using a speech synth in, in her school, and she Im- imitates it with great uh, jocularity. <laughs> All right. Well, anyway,
4: you haven't well- lived. You've heard Tom Lehrer albums being done by deck talk. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> <laughs> Poisoning pigeons in the park. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Will you still love me when I'm old and gray? Exactly. Didn't think I knew any Tom Lehrer, did you? Oh,
4: I'm impressed. Hey,
1: uh, so I'm just <laughs> old. That's okay.
4: <laughs>
1: when when can we expect these new great uh, TTS systems?
4: Oh, they're you know some are on the market. Some with, with us. it's you know when does it get integrated? At which point I don't know the plans for the product group. But right. you know these things are you know. They're already being demonstrated publicly, so it's knowledge they're there. It's just, you know, when do they become part of the server, part sure. of the client. You know, that, those dates I don't know.
1: Man, you sound, sound like you're having a great time at Oh, work. always. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. So, uh, man, it must be just uh, your your house. You you say you're you're rewiring your house. What is What does that entail?
4: Well, a few years ago, my wife and I decided to build, you know, the house we always wanted. And for her, you know, it's got the perfect kitchen. It's decorated. You know, for me, it's electronic. So I've got over, what have I got last time I checked? Three miles of low-voltage wire and three miles of high-voltage wire in the house. There isn't a single light switch anywhere in the house. It's uh, all run by computers.
1: So is and, this, uh, uh, what is it, X10?
4: No, this, this is actually you know, internal wiring throughout the house. The, the actual top end of the system is the Crestron a house controller at top. There's a Lutron lighting system. You know, not, there's all sorts of things in it. You have the but,
1: Jetson microwave converter transporter module. You have the. Yeah,
4: I must have. I must have OD'd on the Jetsons when I was a kid. You know, <laughs> the problem is you bring home, let's say, a new TV, and you can't use it because you got to wire it into the house, and you have to figure <laughs> out how to reprogram the house to make the remotes work <laughs> with it and everything else. You know, it's a major decision for me. Like I, I'm. I was meeting with the head of media center the other day, and he wants me to put a media center in the house, which is a good idea. It's just I got to now block out the time to reprogram the house to use it. So <laughs> there are pluses and minuses here. Wow.
1: <laughs> and do you have you seen the X10 stuff? Or I guess this what you have is so ab- above. No, you no, I know. That.
4: Sure, I know the X10 stuff very well. Yeah.
1: Hey, get Richard on the on the horn just for a second. Yes. Hey, Richard. You have X10 hey, in your house, right? Yes, I do. And you were telling me that there's a problem with X10, like, uh, firecracker controllers that don't work across uh, when you have to span a circuit?
6: Well, it's nothing to do with the firecrackers It has to do with X10 in general. Just because okay. X10 doesn't cross phases easily, you need phase couplers and so oh. forth. But I showed you my solution to the problem with the big firewalls.
1: Yeah, right. Yeah, he's got everything plugged into a switch. So, um... So that, that's kind of cool. So you have all your lights and stuff controlled with X10. Oh, yeah, that's
5: oh,
4: right. He does. Yeah. He does.
1: Richard does. And uh-huh. what you're talking about is something totally different, right?
4: Well, I've got um, two closets in the house that basically have uh, you know, dimmers for every light in the house. And that's electronically controlled from a system that then I have hard wiring throughout the house. So I've got a panel in the wall. I can turn any light on or off or dim it from anywhere in the house.
1: So you have like a private website where you're like in Barcelona and you like get on the web and turn your lights on and off and scare I
4: actually have the capability but I've never hooked it in because I'm afraid of somebody getting in from the outside and hacking my house.
1: I saw that movie.
4: Yes. So I I decided to disconnect that, right? But uh, the the rest of it, you know, from within the house, I've got all sorts of things. There's like one remote that runs everything in the house. You know, any of those remotes will run anywhere in the house. Right. And you'd have the lights and the security system and the music, you know, all the rooms and the TVs and everything else just run off of it. I like toys. I said that.
1: Well, yeah, absolutely. We are, <laughs> we are toy boys here.
4: Exactly. And yeah. of course there's the eight oh two network, you know, through the house and then broadcast into the backyard so I can lay in the hammock and do work, you know. I'm also lazy. <laughs> well that's
1: that's the motivating factor <laughs> behind all these technologies, I suppose. Mm-hmm. And uh I it's just very cool as a as a programmer, you know, I like to tweak things and and but it seems like there's a whole bunch of programmable uh automation things that you can that you can buy. During uh my last week's class I went to x10.com and I had gotten this firecracker thing that you can send it commands through the serial port. And some guy ha- and, and basically the firecracker is an X10 controller that connects to your serial port and it uses RF frequencies to talk to transponder modules that turn lamps on and off and you know electrical switches cool. and things and dim lights and so uh while they were working on a project i went and i googled because i heard that somebody had written a dot net wrapper for x10 firecracker oh, control so i googled it downloaded it installed it and within five minutes i had a program with a button that turned the light on and off it was <laughs> great it's just just one of those things you know I'm a VB programmer. I draw a button on a form. I click, the light goes on. I click again, the light goes off. <laughs> you know? Does it get any better than that? So so back to the tablet
2: piece. What's, what's the code like for that? Is, is it like oh. dim my lamp? is? No, no. It's,
1: it's X10 okay. open, you know, whatever, send command. And then okay. there's a list of, uh, there's an enumeration, basically, where you just pick the command that you want to send. You know, lamp on, lamp I was lamp just jabbing you. I, was, I, oh, okay. I was
2: just joking with you. We have to put my in front of everything. <laughs> oh, Dim my. my lamp. My, yeah. Dim my this thing. Dim my that thing.
1: Dim my house. My Dim my brain. <laughs>
2: <laughs> oh, that's a good call because it's a lamp. Okay, I'm going to ah. shut up. I'm sleep deprived.
1: Yeah, okay.
4: First, as you were saying this, the sun's going down, so the light in the room just started coming up. <laughs> <laughs> hmm.
1: Well, anyway, uh, Dave, this is a good time to pause and and do a new bit. You can stick around for this that uh, we officially are launching tonight without music. We usually have theme music for our bits, but uh, music will ensue next week when we get the necessary clips from Rory. And this is called Ask Rory. And Rory, why don't you uh, just go ahead and take over? Take it away. Okay.
2: So Ask Roy is a new segment we're doing, and I'm not going to explain it every single show for the next 20 shows the way I did Google Weirdos every single show for <laughs> the first 50 shows or whatever it was. I'm just going to explain it once, and we'll have it on the site. So Ask Roy is a new segment that Carl introduced last week where you send your questions in to me, and they can be about anything. Remember? because. Um, Like I mentioned last week, I'm living with my ex-girlfriend, and uh, I like to think I know something about relationships. Um, I've dropped out of several schools, so I can give you educational advice. Um, I know a thing or two (laughs) about life, and I'm here to help you with any problem that you might have. And I actually got quite a few letters this week, and it was tough for me to decide which ones to pick. So eventually, I just uh, threw choice out the window and just grabbed the first two that I received. And um, the first one I'm going to read is from, I don't know how to pronounce the the last name here. We got Dan... Krala, K R H L A, Krala, Krala. Oh, okay, well, well, maybe there's a vowel missing there somewhere. It's yeah. or, or an invisible vowel. It's kind of like a silent letter, but it's invisible instead. Maybe I don't know. Okay, so here's here's this question. Hello, Rory. I have two cans of gasoline, a garbage can, matches, and a metal pot for a helmet, of course. And I want to make a rocket ship. Please advise. <laughs> what I would like to say, Dan, is that um, first of all, you've got a good start. Okay. Uh, I kind of see where you're going with this, and I would say that your heart is in the right place. Um, the problem is, uh, you know, where's the brain, right? Um, <laughs> you, 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 you've, you've got most of the supplies you need. You're missing something. That you need at least one or two cold beers to go with this uh, set of uh, 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 devices here. Now, the way you build a rocket with two cans of gasoline and a garbage can matches a metal pot for a helmet, of course, a rocket ship and two cold beers, is you find out, Where the person who orders new rockets to be built from NASA lives and you go to that person's house and you take the gasoline and pour it all over that person's uh, uh, mailbox then you light the mailbox on fire. When they run outside, you put the garbage can over your head and you sneak across the lawn. Okay, now you jump through the window using the garbage can as a shield for your body. You make your way over to this person's computer. You turn it on and using InfoPath, you quickly and easily fill out a purchase order for a new rocket ship. Then you sign it as the person who is out front. Okay, now what's going to happen? He's just going to come running back inside as soon as he hears the glass break. So what you have to do, you got to be ready behind the door with the pot that you were going to wear on your head, and you got to smack him over the back of the head with it. That's going to knock him out, okay? Now, you're going to be feeling pretty bad about this, but you're also going to be happy because you know your rocket ship is on the way. So you're going to want to sit down, drink a nice cold beer, drink another nice cold beer. You're going to be feeling pretty good, got a little buzz going, head home, and wait for the rocket to be delivered. That's how you build a rocket using the supplies you provided. So... Like I say, I I I'll I'll advise you on anything relationships, weird rocket crap.
1: Oh man.
2: Now the second one I've got <laughs> is from Brian Kuhn. Now, I love this guy. He's he's been a long time listener and he shows up at uh at the events and everything and and he's fun to hang out with. He gave me a cool 2600 shirt down at TechEd. So, and uh he also happens to have written some good questions. So his first question is, I am in charge of the data and presentation of our websites. At least twice a week, I receive a manila envelope in the interoffice mail. Inevitably, inside the envelope is a third-generation photocopy of a fax document that has had coffee spilled on it. Attached to this document is a post-it note with these words, Hi, can you post this on the web for me? No signature or identification of the mailer. So his question is, is there some port on the web servers that I am unaware of that accepts paper documents? I'm sure that something must have happened to the original file they printed this document from. Otherwise, they would have realized that they would need to email me with the information in a digital format as opposed to mailing it to me as a physical document. I tried putting it on the CD drive, but all that happened was the document caught on fire. Okay, so Brian, (laughs) here's the way this works. All right, your question is, uh, uh, essentially, is there some port on the web servers that you are unaware of? Um, that accepts paper documents? And the answer is no. The problem is actually not with your servers, okay? Um, on a lot of different life forms, we have this thing called the alimentary canal. This is typically where waste is excreted from the body. Now, this is the point you're looking for. When these people come to you with these stacks of paper, you need to roll them up and you need to say, oh, these go in the alimentary canal, but these servers don't have an alimentary canal. Can I shove this up your alimentary canal? Okay? And you just kind of work with it from there. Sweet. So that's where those papers go. Now, the next question is, if you and Carl were to compete in a bare-knuckle boxing fight, who would win? And you didn't actually specify whether or not Carl would be conscious. Um, If Carl were conscious, (laughs) this would kind of change the dynamic of everything, um, as he would probably just pummel me into a small little, you know, lump of mush, which is fine. And I'm not just saying that because, you know, like he's the boss or whatever, you know, I'm saying that because I really honestly think that Carl would kick my ass in that particular fight. Um, If we were unconscious, though, I like to think that I could probably take Carl. So that's the uh, answer to your second question, Brian. And thank you very much for writing in. And I hope to get more questions from people for next week's uh, Ask Roy.
1: Very, very good, man. Very good. Yes, yeah, some uh, some applause from the peanut gallery here. Wow, I don't know what Did, to was say. Was I talking too quickly? Sometimes, no, sometimes
2: no. I feel like I've got a 78 rpm mouth attached to a 33
1: rpm brain. Yes, that's, that's quite all right, my friend. Okay, beautiful. And uh, stick around while we uh, pay the bills and play some music. And uh, what can I say? Uh, we'll be back on the other side of the hour. This is Rory Blythe's song here called uh, What's This Called, Rory?
2: First song. Don't ask me why. <laughs> Great. <laughs>
1: I'm encouraging all, all my listeners to uh, go to www.datadynamics.com and check out actorreports.net and a lot of the other software that Data Dynamics provides for developers. Uh, they've been a great sponsor of .NET Rocks and .NET Rocks Movie uh, for quite a long time. They're really involved in uh, supporting the community, and they have great products. Uh, ActiveReports.net is their flagship product. Well, one of them anyway. If there could be many flagship products, it's one of their best. And uh, it's basically, you know, if, if you want reporting servers, you use something like Crystal or SQL reporting services. But if you want to create reports, rich reports, and just embed them in your ASP.NET or Windows Forms applications and have them work, spit out PDF, HTML, whatever, uh, ActReports.net is for you. Great stuff. Integrates nicely into the Visual Studio environment. And it isn't going to cost an arm and a leg. I love it. My friends like it the MVPs and RDs that I work with. Love it. Go check it out. I'm
5: always searching for some.
1: There you go. That was a title track from Jay's and my uh, debut album, Strange Communication. And, uh, you know, music is uh, fun for me. It's not my career, but uh, certainly is fun. And I enjoy it. And uh, Rory, too. So we like to showcase our tunes on the show. Why not? You know, it's my show. It's Rory's show. What the hell? So, uh, hey, guess what time it is, man? It's time for the Weird Wide Web with our friend Kirk Webb.
3: Utterly amazing.
1: <laughs> Kirk, how you doing, man?
3: We're doing good. We're doing really good. You've been um, uh
1: very, very quietly hanging out in the studio during the whole first half of the show?
3: Yeah, it's uh, I'm trying to take it all in. It's a lot to absorb.
1: Yeah. And uh, for those who don't know Kirk, he's uh, a newcomer here on the show, and he's got a segment we call The World Wide Web with two Bs, The Weird Wide Web with two Bs. And uh, he goes out and he finds weird websites and talks about them on the show. So, Kirk, what do you got for us this week?
3: Oh, uh, we have a great one. Uh, if guys, want to come along? It's uh, Jay Maynard's Tron costume. Uh, Shrinkster. Oh my God. Yeah, it's sweet. Shrinkster.com slash HY. That's Shrinkster.com slash Hotel Yahoo. And, uh, <laughs> Jay Maynard's Tron costume He spent a lot of time on this He really did oh, you know. man. There's a lot of pictures so It takes a little while to download I like the profile If you just keep going down He's he's very he, Okay, wear a skirt or, or a belt Or a pair of shorts or something, John he's got his
1: long johns on He's taking, you know, pictures every step every of the way Every step of, his, of the way his, his light, it, it lights up, too, the Tron yeah, costume Yeah, if you go down
3: the bottom Once all the pictures load it's, But it, the it's first pictures sweet. look just like him In his
1: long underwear
3: <laughs> this guy is fantastic. It took him a long time too. That's that's wow.
1: I like the one that's close to the that's bottom. That's
2: So awesome!
3: You know he goes grocery shopping in that. Yeah, that right. Is so cool. <laughs>
1: oh my god!
3: Uh, I love this guy. I mean, oh my god. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it, it just gets better. I like. I bottom. like down here
2: at the bottom. Yeah. Lessons, Lessons learned, learned. Fabric paint yeah. is a pain in the ass. Blah blah blah. But he doesn't mention. My, I, I'm a total freaking <laughs> dork. Now, if you also look at if if you look at the very last photo, look at his package. Yeah. <laughs> it is really well defined.
3: I was wondering like, if he has any really, lights it's for just that. Sleazy. How come he didn't light that? Up? That's what I liked. It That's awful. Give it a
2: little hat or something. <laughs>
1: Uh, hey you know, um that you know, is so cool. we're we're not ones usually to laugh at other people, no, but you know, means. come on. I mean sometimes <laughs> you you ask for it, you know? Sometimes you just ask for it.
3: Comments are appreciated. He's got his email address down there at the bottom. We don't condone anyone. <laughs> for those of you
1: who want to make comment. your own Tron costume but we didn't know <laughs> oh quite how to go about it. God. Yeah, you can ask
3: him. He could um he could let you know. Wow. Wow. <laughs>
5: Oh, oh man! <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> <sighs> what more can you say about that? I uh, I don't done. know what else to say, really.
2: Oh, okay. I love that. I picked up this set of armor pieces in an eBay auction, man. You're the winner, <laughs> man. I love that because they always tell you that in eBay auction, you won this one, and I don't know. Yeah, I know you won. What do you think he paid for that? Six, seven thousand dollars. That's incredible. I, I found out what's what's
0: going on here. I uh, I went to the site and got rid of the uh, the Tron costume at the end. You know, went to the previous directory, and Uh-oh. he's an IBM public domain software collection guy. No he's got software no for, way. The, for the 360, <laughs> for you know, oh for no. the VM 370. <laughs> well, obviously, that's what you know. That's what happened. I mean, just uh, all that work with yeah. IBM time sharing systems just cracked his mind. <laughs> You got to give
1: him credit though. I mean, if you're going to do a Tron costume.
3: Dude, he's got a glowing Tron costume, I mean. I know. Come on. Duh. How many guys in his chat room has got a glowing Tron costume?
1: And he painted it oh, himself, god. but you know, you know, with some advice maybe uh cover up that package a kilt or you something. Know, something. A glowing
3: kilt <laughs> pair of shorts. Wow. Good lord. Okay. <laughs> Let's hear it for John. I love
2: this. The comment in the, the comment in the chat room secret just says arg, I'm blind. <laughs> yeah. I like oh, that. Oh god. <laughs> All right. Uh,
5: so anyway. Uh,
3: okay, number two. For all you Kenny Rogers fans, shrinkster.com uh, slash, I'm sorry, slash HZ. That's uh, Hotel Zulu. Uh, and it's men who look like Kenny Rogers.com. <laughs>
5: <laughs> oh, lady. <There's- laughs>
3: oh. Hall of Fame is my favorite, actually. Hall of Fame. This All also takes a little while to, to load up, too. These guys are running them off their laptops. Have you or noticed something. that a
1: lot of men look like Kenny Rogers? Mm.
2: Well, it says "Powered by Macintosh" at the bottom. Uh,
3: that could
1: be something to uh, do with why it's so freaking slow. Yeah, that may just be the HTML generator. I don't know of any Macintosh web servers out there. Are there? Any? They actually
2: have something called WebObjects. Yeah, you can use you can use the X server with uh, WebObjects. Okay. And it's what Apple uses on their sites and it's so incredibly fast ah. that you'll have like 3k gifs that can't even get pumped down to your yeah, machine I'm fast waiting. enough. I'm still waiting. It's
3: aggravating. So
1: I'm looking at uh Silk Suit Kenny number 9. Is that who you're looking at or is they just did they just pick random no, oh, 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 I see there's numbers up here. It's like 1
3: oh. 2 Ooh. Ooh, a link I didn't see. There's a recipe link to Kenny Rogers Muffins down at the bottom. Huh. Wow. Uh, you know, I wish this site would load just yeah. a little faster. Wow, that's oh. an,
1: that's pretty scary. This
3: would be a lot more funny if it was faster.
1: Yeah. Well, <laughs> anyway, it's still okay, pretty.
3: Okay. Okay, Kenny. All right. Our third and final. Oh boy. And you guys think you were washing your eyes before? Ooh, this is uh, shrinkster dot com <clears throat> forward slash i zero. That's indigo zero. And um, this is Joanna.
1: Uh, oh god.
3: Alias Joe. This is, also this takes a little while to load because of the pictures.
1: This isn't pornographic, is no,
3: it? No, I I'm, I'm not a I don't think so. But uh Joe likes to oh. dress up in prom dresses. Yeah, yeah um, he, And he looks fine. Oh. But he also likes food. He? He? Uh well, I'm pretty sure it's a he. <laughs> I mean oh my if he's got an goodness. Adams apple, he's got a banana too, so <laughs> oh, he um <clears throat> oh my Wow. God. Yeah. Does wow, have it, an Adam's it keeps going and going. Eggs and so
1: what is this? This is people who like to dress up and put food on themselves. I found out
3: that this is an entire subculture here. Um, dressy messies, basically guys who <laughs> like to dress up and you know attire and get messy. That you know? is so. That they, takes the cake for the. Do weirdness they stand around and day? say, "I'm so dirty"? I'm so oh messy. Oh my goodness! Look at me. I'm so messy. I'm so dirty. I you like have the to go beans. beyond. You
1: have to go uh,
3: way past down down at the bottom. At the there's links to like the lane. next uh, you know successive galleries. I'm up to Gallery
2: One Nineteen. It's pretty. It's, it's getting pretty bad. It's He's it... on the floor now. He's got Parmesan <laughs>
3: cheese <laughs> on himself. And... Oh, where is it? My favorite uh, chocolate sauce. Uh, He's got uh, rice pudding. Beans. Rice pudding is good. Down.
1: That's disgusting.
3: Towards the end, he <laughs> towards the end he uses uh, an entire tub of Hellmans, and uh, he shows everyone his dirty, messy shoes. You're a dirty girl. You're God. a dirty, dirty girl. Look at him. Wow. Oh. This is like borderline
1: psychotic, though. I don't want to say this is. W- uh, oh, that's odd. You know? <laughs> oh. Well, this is, this guy's so what got a problem. So what do you do? What do? So what
3: do you do Friday nights? Well, uh, I uh, I dump Hellman's tubs on my head while oh, I'm in a yellow prom dress. Goodness. Just... No, I have nothing against alternative lifestyles. I am. It's an not always the other lifestyle, because but...
2: he's he's also wearing the the short skirt here
5: too.
1: Yeah, oh, and, and, no. and I'll just say that too. You know, we don't. I don't certainly have anything against alternative lifestyles, but you know, that's just weird. <laughs>
3: that's oh my... a little weird. Is that leather or chenille? What is that exactly?
2: That's that's not leather. I don't and I don't know. think you do this in a leather skirt anyway. Yeah. I...
1: All right, is I'm that done. Experience? Uh, I'm done. This is <laughs> the
5: voice of experience. <laughs> That's Rory. too much. Is that
3: be on your? That's book? just wow. Too much. <laughs> Goodbye, Joe. <laughs> You're a dirty girl. <laughs> utterly amazing. That is <laughs> utterly amazing. Horrible.
5: <laughs> we,
1: we have perhaps reached a new low. And Don Kylie says Perhaps. that who's listening, yeah, yeah. that uh, that was just utterly stupid. Thank you, Kirk, though. <laughs> enlightening us. <laughs> Any last words before we meet your microphone here?
3: Um, I'm just here to help <laughs>
1: <laughs> All right. <laughs> and so with that, somehow we're going to bring back our guest, Dave Wecker, who's talking about speech. Technologies and the future of tablet PCs. (laughs) I can't believe we're going from from a guy who puts eggs on himself to uh, back to this uh, serious conversation. But uh, there we are. Dave, you still with us after that?
4: I'm not sure. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sitting here following this on the web, and I think this is going to be hard to follow. (laughs)
1: That's pretty bad. (laughs) Yeah, it's a new bit. (laughs) Needs work. It's okay. Anyway, you know, we we need a little relief once in a while, so there you go. Apparently this guy does too. <clears throat> in a big way. So uh so what were we talking about? Before we were so rudely interrupted with all that silliness.
4: I think the future. Yes.
1: So, let's uh let's put on our 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 future wizard hats and and We you were talking about this uh and I want to hear a little bit more about this. This there, there was some company that is making this software that will split out different sources from a, st- a single stereo track and isolate things. And as a, you know, uh, being a recording engineer and a producer, uh, I know the the problem is, you know, if you get a, a drum set and singers, at, you know, in the same room together with microphones, they're naturally going to bleed into each other and it's very difficult to isolate them. Mm-hmm. And uh, so you know of some research that's going on, apparently, uh, where somebody's, Working on this, like being able to really pick out and remove everything that's not a particular signal.
4: Sure. Well, uh, got to be careful when I say sure. It's more the case of there are people working on it, and it shows promise.
1: Right? Okay.
4: And you know, there's work going on at Microsoft. There's work going on in other places. Um, but you know, I've seen demonstrations where, <laughs> excuse me, somebody had a you know a CD with a singer trumpet player, uh, bass, and piano all going at once. Mm -hmm. And they were able to figure it out, characterize it, and then split out all four separately. And uh, I played hmm. the track. I mean, great for automatic karaoke, right? Yeah,
1: or a lot of things. Did they have the individual tracks as a reference?
4: No, 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 no. This is just from the recording.
1: So on the fly.
4: Yeah, and basically, since it was a stereo recording, they could figure out what was coming in on each side, and isolate them and figure out what was happening. Now, you can do a lot of things, if you want to think about it, is how your head works. You know, your, your ears get in these signals on each side of your head, and it compares them, and you're able to a- isolate yourself. And that's what this software is doing. It's actually emulating what goes on inside the first few stages, you know, behind the inner ear. And there's a lot of stuff that's starting to be done with biologically inspired systems that show a lot of promise.
1: Wow. Fascinating stuff. It's the first thing that people say when they bring me CDs to quote-unquote clean up. Mm-hmm. You know, can you take the background vocals out? <laughs> you oh, know? Exactly. Yeah. No? <laughs> <laughs> and the, you know, these ads in the back of Rolling Stone that say, remove vocals, you know, from, that's like a phase cancellation trick that they do, mm-hmm. right? Is that right?
4: Well, I'm, I'm not sure how they're doing it, right? Yeah. I mean, there there are all sorts of signal processing techniques, the you know, more traditional techniques that do pieces of this, and depending on how many hints you have. But you know the type of thing you want to be able to do is, you know, if somebody's talking with a helicopter overhead going and you want to be able to hear that person or, even better, playing an Xbox game, you know, doing Xbox Live, you got all the sound going on in the room, everything exploding, right? and you want to be able to get your voice over the internet without all that. yeah. But you'd rather yeah. not be wearing a headset and, and all the rest. You want to do this at full volume. These things are possibilities.
1: Something that really baffles me is how uh, how these uh, what do they call them headphones that do noise cancellation work mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know it 's weird that you can put on something that is sending your brain amplified signals, and yet the perception is that there's less sound
4: right well, if you think about it, you have a sine wave coming in, and if you flipped it one hundred and eighty degrees and combined it with the original, it goes to zero, so all you have to do is bring the audio to have a little microphone, bring in the audio that's coming to the ear, flip the phase, and combine it back, have a little speaker inside that plays to your ear just like the other sound, and all of a sudden you've just reduced the sound way, way, way down.
5: Hmm.
4: And that's how they work.
1: So wow. it's a phase cancellation trick.
4: That's back, all it back is. Back to that thing. Yep.
1: And uh, But yet you hear, so so you hear the the signal that's electronically coming from your machine or whatever it is, but, but the ambient sound gets cancel. That. That's well, really Well, you no, know, the cool. two of
4: them combine, and the, the trick is to know yeah. how it filters, you know, with you wearing the headphones, what the sound from outside getting through the headphones sounds like, so that when you combine it, you combine it with something that sounds like, you know, what what it is inside the headphones instead of what it is outside the headphones. Yeah. And when you do it right, the problem is the original ones were too good.
1: Really?
5: you
4: couldn't hear anything. Really? And once you did that, it wasn't safe. You know, so, you know something happens, you don't <laughs> hear it, you know, it, it's People were having accidents. And things. Wow! And so they make it so only specific frequencies are removed, or you think the other way, leaving frequencies behind. So you wear one of these on an airplane, you can still hear the stewardess.
1: Yeah, and I and you can in a noisy airplane, you can still hear the airplane, of course. Right,
4: but, but they remove the stuff that specifically makes you tired or fatigued. Uh. So they get rid of the, the the frequencies that are more stressful to you and leave the yeah. ones behind you have a chance to hear what's going on around you when you want to.
1: The lower and upper mid-range frequencies Mm -hmm. in particular. Yeah. So how do neural networks play in the sort of the stuff that's going on with handwriting recognition and speech recognition, if anything?
4: Well, the handwriting recognizer actually has a neural net in it. And actually a lot of the the cursive handwriting recognition uh, is trained through a neural net. The speech recognition that Most people ship today, there are a couple exceptions, do not use neural net. Uh, I've actually built a system uh, that was all neural net based for that. Uh, But the problem with a neural net is it's like using a shotgun. It's one of those things that it's really good, but it takes a lot of effort and it's not tuned to a specific thing. It learns. And so what it really is, uh, if, if you want, on, on one side, the actual technique, it's a nonlinear regression that also learns the model as well as the parameters. Okay, that's my, my quick summary. Yeah, that's but, not bad. But by, it's not going to yeah. be as good as something handcrafted if you know how to handcraft something. Right. So in a lot of the, the cases, if you can do something that you can write a really optimized algorithm or heuristic to do, you're probably going to be better off. But, there are lots of problems in computer science where we don't know how to do that. Or it's an NP complete problem, just, we, we don't just have just use more how if to statements. Really solve it. <laughs> Neural nets can do extremely well in those cases.
1: What'd you just say, Rory?
2: You just you use more if statements. Use more if statements <laughs> whenever in doubt. <laughs> yeah.
1: That would be like a thousand branched if then nest for some yeah, of that stuff. You're
2: like, if Word looks like it might be an A, then maybe <laughs> Word C. I should be on that team. <laughs> but
4: uh, so, I'll give you an example where this actually worked really well, oh, God, almost 15 years ago now. Uh, I worked at DEC, and I worked in the plant that built disk drives. And we found that before disk drives crashed, the signals to the head changed. This is, I'm talking about days and even weeks before they crash.
5: Wow. Hmm. And we
4: found with a neural net, we could characterize it, and we could find out so that we could actually tell the, the operator, you've got a disk drive that's about to crash sometime in the next week. Fix it or get rid of it now.
1: Even though you may not know what that wow. signal means. Right. We know that the it's neural
4: a net figured it out by looking at lots of, of signals hmm. of systems that crashed and others that didn't. And, and we actually yeah. had like over 99% accuracy on t- telling you ahead of time a disk was going to crash.
1: That's great. And do they still use that technology in hard drives or, or software that monitors hard drives?
4: Um, to be honest, I don't know. I've been out of it for 15 years.
1: Wow. What? So with the, with the neural networks that are like in the handwriting recognition stuff, obviously some samples had to be taken. What, uh, what are we talking about for sample data?
4: Oh, uh, we... we we are constantly gathering sample data. It's one of those things that is just ongoing, both in speech and handwriting. And the only way to make a system you know, better is by getting more and more data in. So in answer to it, we, we constantly are running these the sample collection things. And we do it worldwide because people learn to write differently in school depending on how they were brought up. People learn, of course, speak differently, depending on what part of the country they grew up in, in the U.S. Or, or part of the world. And so the more data you get, the better you do.
1: Right. So so how much data do we have for the handwriting samples?
4: Uh, to be I'll be honest, I don't know what we have on the handwriting side. On the speech side, which you know, I, I used to do a lot of work in... Um, one of the standard databases used to be the Wall Street Journal database. At the time, oh geez, let's say even 10 years ago, that was 25 CDs worth of speech. Now, wow. you know, it, it's probably 100 times that, I would assume. And handwriting side, again, I don't even know what the size of the database is. It's massive.
1: One of the things that I imagine speech can really help out is translation, you know, in mm-hmm. on-the-fly translation between... Because it's really true that uh, in dealing with uh, you know a lot of a lot of different cultures come into the high tech world, and uh, often you know things are misunderstood, and it's very technical, and you have to absolutely understand each other. Mm-hmm. And uh, Kirk, uh, you were telling me a story about uh, about somebody who who was would write application. Or was it Dan? Dan was telling us about uh, Dan Kral, who was here last week. He was telling us about somebody who would, he was working with who would write message boxes that say stuff like you have problem uh you know fix now or something like that <laughs> and uh you know they they just had and and the answer to every question was yes you know and followed by the last word of what the question was so it would be like you know, you're going to have that friday yes friday and then friday would come and go and so you know, I can imagine that this is going to help out a lot. Uh, and, I, and I can't help but think, as I have thought many times during this interview, about Star Trek. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I'm sure you're a big Star Trek fan. Oh, of course. You know, my daughter is eight years old. We're watching Voyager. And she says, uh, you know, how can they understand each other? <laughs> how, does, how does this alien from another galaxy have a British accent?
4: Yeah. This is the suspend disbelief of the system, right? Right.
1: So, uh, so do you think that uh, eventually we may have these translators that sort of just hear, listen to my headphones, and, you know, we'll communicate that way? or
4: something? Well, I actually, like somebody on, on, the, on the, the chat, just put up Fish, right?
1: Well, right, yeah.
4: Um, um, your guess is as good as mine, right? In terms of some automatic translation stuff, we actually do a lot of work in that area, especially on web pages, things like that, on the tech side. Um, speech recognition there's no reason in fact we also do a lot of things of identification You start speaking we figure out what language it is we can do things like yeah. that
1: yeah that's neat
4: um, but you know something like a universal translator requires us to read the brainwaves and figure out what's common and on and on and on theoretically um, I don't think I'm going to see it in my lifetime
1: yeah that's quite a uh, What kind, what books are you reading these days
4: um probably nothing that interesting. Um I finished off uh, a couple of China Mavell uh novels which I really liked. Um sitting here behind me, let's see what I've got. It's got Imitation of Life, How Biology is Inspiring Computing, uh Brian Greene's Fabric of the Cosmos and Sync, the Emerging, emerging Science of Spontaneous Order. Summer reading, a (laughs) a heavy reading list.
1: I was going to say, yeah, that's your summer reading list. Yeah, no,
4: this is actually from a list that um, one of the senior people at Microsoft gave to Bill to read on his vacation, and he said, "I might enjoy these as well." So, figured, what the heck, pick a few up and take a look. And actually, they're very good books.
1: You've mentioned Mr. Gates by his first name a couple of times. Are you? Are you? uh, Do you work with him that closely?
4: Um, I'd say we cross paths once every six months. That's probably a reasonable estimate wow. um no i think everybody says bill or bill g at work oh, okay in that respect yeah um i i like uh my interactions with the chairman um, yeah it, it's nice to work with somebody who's really smart who gets it when you tell them something sure and who fights back who tells you you know what he thinks and if you're you have a different opinion it's okay to fight back with it
1: right wow that's cool have you heard of uh Kurzweil's book The Age of Spiritual Machines? Mhm. It's uh, I don't know if you've read it. I'm I'm working my way through it slowly, but uh in that Ray Kurzweil who, you know, has his Kurzweil Empire in several different technologies and areas including speech recognition and uh and music and all this kind of stuff. He talks about uh technology as a natural evolution of human beings. And uh not a new idea, but he sort of thinks that in the next 10 or 20 years that machines will be truly intelligent, mm-hmm. whatever that means, you know, whether it's the perception of intelligence or whatever. But he, his main argument is that uh, that technology is increasing exponentially, and it has been ever since the Big Bang. And so if you, if you chart it on a map, the kind of stuff we're going to be doing in 20 years, we just won't have any idea. We don't have any idea right now how far it's going to go.
4: Well, he's got an interesting chart in there that is used in a, a paper or two, right. um, that I really liked quote because what he, he there, there's some observations that are great. One is that every time we look to the past, we notice that everything has grown exponentially. Every right. time we look to the future, we predict linearly. Right, and we do this over and over because we say, well, it can't keep up, so it's got to go back to a linear pace. Right, but it doesn't.
1: It never does.
4: The other is Moore's Law is for given technology. Right. You know, everybody's all concerned because Intel says they're now going to not go any faster on single processors and they're going to have to do something else, and that's the end of Moore's Law. Yeah. But if you look at everything, you know, from vacuum tubes to transistors to small scale integration, large scale, and so forth, all the technologies each had a Moore's Law. And mm. it's actually, across them all, it's the Moore's Law of Moore's Law. Right. And so the curve you wind up drawing is even, more, even steeper than you'd expect. Yeah. And then using all of that, he does a prediction. He takes a look at how many neurons we've got in the brain, and what the connectivity is, and how fast they are, and then compares that to the number of cal- calculations you can do on a computer for $1,000. I don't remember the exact years, but in like the year 2000, for $1,000, you get a computer that has the same power as the brain of a cricket right. or some such thing. Right. In 2010, $1,000 gets you the brain of a mouse. Right. In 2020, it's the brain of a human being.
1: Yeah, he really makes quite a leap.
4: Well, this is this curve we're talking about. In 2040, for $1,000, you get the equivalent computing power of all humans on the planet. <laughs> Yeah. And, you know, what are you going to do with that? Well, we don't have a clue. He does make a little uh, snide comment on the side says, well, you're not going to run Windows on it.
5: <laughs>
4: but, okay, if you've really got that amount of computing power that cheaply for everybody, it will change how we do everything. And yeah. can I tell you what that's going to look like? Not a clue.
2: Okay. I was just going to point out that if you have a machine which is even twice as intelligent as you are, you're not going to be able to figure out what to do with it. It's going to figure out what to do with you. Uh-huh. So if you've got something that, uh, you know, that, that that is that has the computing power of all the human beings on the planet, whatever that happens to be, you know, in 2040, um, yeah, I think uh, you're not going to have to worry too much about what to do with them because you're just going to be kind of running probably according to their schedule, which wouldn't really bother me too much, but, I mean, you know, some people feel differently, so...
1: So do you think we're going to meet Weena in our lifetime? I mean, uh, time machine, you know, go go into the go into the future and find a a society where people stop thinking for themselves. Well, to be honest, I'm
4: spending my time trying to figure out what comes next. You know, that I'd, I'd like to just figure out what is the next thing I ought to be building and how I ought to make it happen. And I haven't really thought too much about well, after I retire and my kids or my kids' kids are around, you know what. What is it going to look like? I don't think I'm smart enough to figure that out.
1: Yeah, sure is nice to think about, though I
4: guess. Mhm.
1: So what is the next next thing, if you uh, can say so without being fired or or? Oh or no! It's so
4: more well. the case if I knew, I'd be out doing it right now. <laughs> okay. um, I'm a firm believer in evolution until I figure out the right revolution, mm-hmm. and. There's a lot of great evolutionary steps that are going on. There's a few revolutionary ones. We've talked about a few of the technologies you know, at this point. And, you know, there's stuff going to come in nanotechnology. Uh, there's stuff going to come in uh, you know, uh, little things like the MRAM stuff that's coming.
1: Okay. MRAM.
4: It's, MRAMs are, think of RAM memory that has the persistence of flash. Okay, great. So you replace, get rid of all the flash, get rid of all the RAM, use one memory type that your machine now turns on instantly. You know, the costs are the same as RAM, so there's no reason not to use it.
1: Get rid of hard drives, too, for that matter.
4: Exactly, once you get to, you know, to a large enough scale there. And that's already, there's several companies who have are already starting to ship ship. They've already shipped prototypes they're going to ship in production, I think, the end of this year, beginning of next year. So, what happens when a technology like that gets the market? It changes a lot of dynamics. Those are the types of things I spent time thinking of okay, how are we going to make use of it? you know what, what does that change and how can we
1: best make it happen That is a huge that is going to be a huge change in the way we use computers when you mm-hmm. don't have to wait for them to boot up you know and mm-hmm. reconfigure themselves and hard drives don't crash and you know
4: and they're rugged, you can drop them you know yeah. all of that.
1: Yes sir, I'm all for it.
4: <laughs> so I don't have to do too much looking way into the future. There's enough stuff coming, you know, now that I can stay plenty excited.
1: You're obviously uh, excited about Longhorn, who isn't? Oh, yeah. Who isn't, you know? What uh what do you make of the the uh, uh well, and you're not the right person to ask this about, you know, the recent announcements. I just thought I'd bring it up, you know, that they, they got to sort of bogged down with some security stuff and they had to punt some things. But we'll come back to that with some with another guest. But what I'm really interested in hearing from you is what kinds of, of technologies in Longhorn do you think are, if any, are going to be revolutionary and are going to change the way people use computers?
4: Well, I think we've got two two types of technologies coming in Longhorn, and I am very excited about it. I think it's everything that's been announced are all the right things, side note. Um, I think no matter what, the, the pieces that even aren't bundled anymore, that aren't part of Longhorn, will be there in beta when Longhorn ship. Mm-hmm. And so everything that, that really is even the revolutionary technologies will still be there, whether they're integrated into the system on day one or they're in beta and will be you know, shortly thereafter. Yeah. Also, now that this is the story on XP, it means you can use this across everything. So yeah, that it, is cool. Right, so things that that excite me are things like making wireless networks automatically usable by everybody.
1: Oh,
5: thank God. You don't need
4: to be a network guru to use them.
1: I'm certainly glad to hear you say that.
4: Making the home network secure automatically and not having to be a sysadmin to figure it out. Yeah. Um, Synchronization, being able to keep my data, you know, among all my machines, and not, again, have to do some arcane step to make it happen. Um, A UI that uh, I believe kicks ass. Yes, sir. It's something that is enjoyable to use, it's exciting, and from a productivity point of view, the right things are in the right place and you control it and personalize it. Yeah. Um, So all the way up and down the line, you know, from the communications to the storage to the UI, there's just an amazing amount of of technologies i mean we did a presentation across the org to show what is in the 2006 release and it was 30 pages of slides of just bullets listing all yeah. the things going in this isn't the stuff that they pulled out this is the stuff that's staying. yeah so there is so much there to be excited about it it isn't even funny
1: yeah have you installed service pack Two?
4: Of course, I've been running it from day 1, you know, yeah. from before it shipped, many on everything.
1: Right. What's your take?
4: I love it. Yeah. I mean, all of a sudden I don't have to worry about what I click on, I don't have to worry about things hitting my machine. Plus Service Pack 2 also gave us the the tablet 2005 bit.
1: Yeah, let's talk about that. Sure. So so what's there? And now I have the uh the M200 that I got at the uh at the the tablet thingy that I still can't remember the name of that official event, but Okay. Uh, <laughs> Uh, that had, I guess, a beta version. Mm-hmm. So it had some of the features that are, are in this new 2005. So, But why don't you uh, tell everybody else? what? Uh... Well,
4: the, the, most, the thing that, that, that was the most important to me was the in-place tip. So instead of having to bring a, uh, a, a pen input box up and dock it on the bottom or each screen space, you don't even worry that it's there. Whenever you tap on anything that takes input, so you tap on an edit box, There's a little icon that just floats next to it. If you ignore it, nothing happens. If you touch it or hover on it, you set it up, it pops up a tip or a a little input panel right at that spot. And you can set it up so it's just set for handwriting. So when it pops up, you write what you want, you hit insert, and it goes away. Yeah. And so now you can do, you know, very, very efficient use of ink on the machine. And not have to eat space for it. Sorry.
1: I, no, I was just gonna say I gotta tell you I love that feature. I love it. I don't know what life was like before that feature, but I do love it.
4: Mm-hmm. And, uh, and, and it makes, well, yeah. all of that was not there before before this release. So wow. what you're seeing is you're, you're you're happy that you didn't have to live before this. In using ink, yeah, it
2: was closer to the pocket PC input panel before, where you just had the one bar across the bottom. Mm-hmm. And although you you could write across the screen, Carl, it wasn't it wasn't nearly as slick. When I installed yeah. SP2 on my tablet last week, I I felt like I had a new computer. I'm not even kidding. Wow, I, I liked tablet PC, you know, the, the XP tablet uh, edition before, but having SP2 on there is so much better and yeah. and it's not just jokes and i was talking to people at my seminars this week who had installed sp2 on their tablets and they were just as excited about it everybody feels like they got a new machine once they installed tablet pc uh, 2005 so it's awesome
1: yeah i saw the i saw the pop-up and paste kind of dockable input panel before and it, you're right that that gets you so far but it doesn't really do the job and mm-hmm. and this is yeah. you're right you know i want to write right there click write it insert you're done it's very nice uh, what about um, has the handwriting recognition been improved in two
4: thousand five? Oh yeah, uh, it, it keeps improving. And you know, I'm left-handed and have lousy handwriting, um, which is also interesting. So does our chairman, and so he's been a great critic of you know handwriting input in general. Yeah, and this works well. It works well for left-handed people also, as well as right handed The original, wait, the very original stuff. Left-handed mode was very hard to use. It, it just didn't recognize that well. But this is great. Again, we have enough data. We've done enough training on it and a lot of work that it's just very reliable. And, you know, when I do input, I don't use the key, the input uh, soft keyboard. I use handwriting now all the time.
1: I, I do that, too. I even use handwriting for chatting in MSN, which is, it's amazing how it almost understands cursive better than block characters. I think it does. That's, that's incredible. I mean, you know, it's easy to see. I mean, there's more ink there. You know, it generates more mm-hmm. ink. You, there's less disconnects from letter to letter. Um, and, of
4: course, in MSN, you can also just send the ink raw if you want to.
1: Yeah, if somebody else has the right version on the other side, right. And that's that's cool, too. Yeah. So where do you see a, a DOA from the chat room? That's that's his or her alias. They They're asking, where do you see the tablet in two years?
4: I I see thinner, lighter, um, more accurate, uh, turning it more into something. It's it's like just a little notebook. You always have it with you. You don't even think about it. You carry it. And it's because it's it's always connected, of course, better communication, all of that. Um, I just see it as becoming more and more uh, ubiquitous, more and more just part of your life. As opposed to you know you use it for something specific or use it here, it becomes something that is just you don't even think about having it with you because it just does everything for you in, you
2: know, in order to do that to what do you days, think about
5: hmm?
2: what, what do you think about ruggedizing it because if it one of my concerns when I carry my tablet around, is that I don't want to pull it out you know, in the rain, I don't want to pull it out here, I don't want to pull it out there. It seemed, but if I had one, and especially one which were, say, a slate tablet as opposed to a convertible, mm-hmm. um, so it would be in tablet mode all the time, I would definitely want that thing to be ruggedized. Is uh, I played do, do with a ruggedized one yesterday.
4: Um, now, this uh-huh. is not one you know, the average person would buy, but this is a fully ruggedized unit. And I think it was uh, possibly Shell Oil bought a bunch of these for all their people in the field. But the unit itself, you can put it underwater. <laughs> you can just drop this from, you know, ten feet, you know, onto the floor, and it doesn't care. Now,
2: yeah, that's again, what I
4: want. Basically, it's expensive, right? <laughs> because it's made specifically for rugged environments. But the technologies used to ruggedize it are starting to migrate back into the consumer side. And I think you're going to cool. see. I mean, a lot of them are now putting, you know, shock absorbers around the disk drives and various other things in to keep. To make the units more and more forgiving, and that mm-hmm. I think that trend will just continue.
2: Yeah, because it'd be much better if we could just simply slip these things into a, into a notebook, into, well, into a, into a bag or something like that, or just carry them around with us without having to worry about the screen getting How about scratched in your overalls, the thing getting dinged up. <laughs> well, for example, yeah, in the overalls, it'd keep but, you uh, warm right in now the got to carry them around, and you got to carry them around in your laptop bag, and it makes it feel like a totally separate thing. It mm-hmm. doesn't feel like it's it's integrated at that point, so. I'd love I'd love to see something like that, and I thought maybe just saying that to you would, you know, maybe you know, I mean, you and Mr. Gates and everything, you know. I well,
4: again, though, we don't build the hardware, just, right? We we advise, right? But we make a platform so oh, it's possible yeah. to build those. But it's what the market decides is what people are going to make.
1: You know, one thing that's yeah. a very cool uh, technology, and I don't know which version of the tablet OS it's in, uh, or when it was introduced, but it's the real time stylus. And the real-time stylus is something that you programmatically have to take advantage of. And the people who are just responding to mouse events or mouse messages basically aren't taking advantage of it. So uh, you have applications out there that really require fast tracking like Photoshop, things like that. And right now they're using the mouse to track. And you can actually see the lag because they're doing a lot of processing behind those mouse events. And uh, you can see a lag between where the pen is and where the line is keeping up or whatever. With the real-time stylus, they actually changed the model of how you get at the data, and it's at a much lower level. Um, And so the result is just an incredibly fast-tracking pen. And that is yet to be uh, integrated into a lot of the programs that you're using today. Um, But, you know, in the future, programs like Photoshop and and other things where uh, handwriting recognition is done. And you can actually write in C-Sharp or in VBNet an application that takes advantage of the real-time stylus to do handwriting recognition, and it's going to be really, really fast. Now, where can you go to get that information? I don't know, but I'm sure we'll find it before Monday and put a link to the... uh...
4: Yeah, I believe it's in MSDN, you know, is the information, especially part of the handwriting, the SDK for the tablet. You know, I, I... I believe I've seen examples of how to use it. Because the handwriting system itself uses that.
1: Yeah, okay. You can't
4: afford to drop samples. And so the tip and all the, and the, the ways we get the handwriting in use that uh, interface. And it's fully documented and available in MSDN. I just yeah. don't know it off the top of my head.
1: So the tip does use it, the floating tip.
4: Oh, yeah. Yeah, floating
1: imagine tip. it would. Right.
4: Well, you've got to The higher the resolution or the higher fidelity of the input signal, the better you do, handwriting or all speech.
1: Right. Awesome. Well, man, this is uh, this has been an enlightening and fascinating uh, couple hours with you, Dave. Are there any last minute words of wisdom you want to impart on the audience, or calls to action, or anything else? Uh,
4: um, you mention? No, other than you know, I, I I spent a lot of years in my career before I came to Microsoft, and in the end, it, it felt like coming home. Um, there are a lot of people here who really love what they're doing, really love what they're building, and are very proud of it. And I think they've got good reason to be. There's just constantly stuff coming, and uh, I just can't see—wait to see what we do next.
1: That's that's awesome. Thanks, man. It's been great having you on. Uh, you can go ahead and sit tight while we uh, introduce the next segment, which is Richard the Toy Boy. <laughs> So Richard Campbell, are you out there, sir? I
6: certainly am. How are you? Doing good.
1: Have you been listening to the show?
6: I I have and I've been enjoying it immensely. Yeah, I and imagine I've been carefully selecting toys that <laughs> would tie in with the conversations we've been having.
1: This has been like the toy show,
6: really. It really has, hasn't it? And it's and that's been the best part for me is just saying, you know, this stuff's really coming to fruition. It's exciting. It's very exciting.
1: So what you got for us?
6: I just want to tell you how nice it is to, to actually do a show with not using a cell phone. Yeah. And we had a lot of fun last <laughs> week, but it was hard. <laughs> that was and drunken, uh, drunken RDs is always challenging to deal with.
1: Yeah. True.
6: All right. It was fun. Let's lead though. off with the good toy. Okay. We always got to lead with the good toy. And the good toy, we'll use Shrinkster, of course. Uh, so Shrinkster.com slash I, as an in Indigo, one. Go off to I1 and tie nicely into the conversation we were just having. Now, actually, I got to say, give a shout to Kurt Webb because he pointed me at this. uh, Our own weird wide web guy has uh, aimed me at this thing. And this is right out of Star Trek. This is (laughs) the Vocera communication device. You clip it to your shirt and you tap a button. It uses uh, Wi-Fi and voice recognition. So you say, I want to talk to Carl, and then it'll buzz your voice voice error device and say <laughs> richard campbells wants to talk to you and you say okay and puts the call through
1: correct john a prize Scotty, here i have something to tell you a similar way team Someone's so this is die. more than just a device though you have to like buy the system
6: right yeah well you know, the voice rec gear is what's going to cost you the money it's not yeah. cheap
1: and this isn't something we're going to be giving away as a toy right because it's like five grand or something is it uh way more than that actually. Really? I don't think
6: yeah. we're going to be able to We could, we you know, could give away we're we gonna could be give away give the away. batteries that go in the individual <laughs> yeah. units. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, don't think we're going to be able to give away one of those, but maybe I'll find us a, uh, a original Star Trek communicator and give one of those away.
1: Have you seen the Vocera communications uh communicator?
4: Oh yeah, neat. Oh, you really have? Yeah. Do you have one? No, I don't have one. Yeah. I just saw the reviews on it That type of thing. Cool. But uh yeah, I tend to at least watch the toys that go by right
1: <laughs> <laughs> Sure that's the whole purpose of this uh, segment So that's so so uh, what does it cost Richard just if somebody uh, really wanted to buy I'll, one I'll give you the, the
6: honest truth is that they're uh, they it's one of those products where if you have to ask <laughs> they they don't list the price Our, our company they was say, actually thinking about call.
3: this really? and it's the kind of product where they come in you oh. fly in a couple guys oh, and they man. sit down with you and talk to you about how this can best help your company and good lord yeah it's a it's a big deal it's it looks neat yeah a very impressive demo um and uh, we decided to decline because but really
1: I mean what you know other than the small package this isn't anything new really isn't it yeah Is it just nothing, so, the, yeah the
2: pricing
6: here has nothing to do with the cost of the hardware the price here Ooh, has to do with the no you know what it reminds value.
2: me of you know what it reminds me of what it reminds me of the telephone. <laughs> exactly, or or maybe a cell phone, right? Exactly. I don't know, maybe, but yeah, it. There's just something about it, I don't like know. the idea of two-way communications between uh, two parties. I don't, yeah. I don't know what it is. I don't know what the similarity is. Yeah, but mm. huh, that's weird. This is
1: basically voice dial with a button. Yeah, right? you can't right. even dial yeah, on it. it. All right, Richard. And, so. it,
6: and the bottom line is, if they did make these things fifty bucks a piece and a thousand dollars for the server, then they'd be everywhere. But in the meantime, they're going to pump then us for what they can them. get. Yeah. yeah,
3: yeah. yeah. Well, you got to go. buy a spaceship to use them in. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. assembling a weight team, and somebody's going to die, and it's just a bad thing. Yeah. Life that's, insurance costs. The
1: person <laughs> on the left is the one that's going to bite it because we don't recognize them. So what's the <laughs> So, Richard, what's the questionable toy of the week?
6: Well, I actually have two, and I'm going to lead off with the second one because it's the one that that brought to mind was brought to mind, and I hadn't originally put it in consideration. It was in the stack, but I had to pull it out when Rory got that letter about the rocket ship. And so, <laughs> I'll send you to shrinkster.com/slash okay. i three. It's Indigo Three. Okay.
1: Jet-powered wheelchair. <laughs>
6: somebody has to stop this man okay because this is just uh, oh, come the good news is he's already in a wheelchair right so when he wipes out he hasn't got to go very far
3: that's gonna kick my grandma's lark's ass oh my god jet powered wow. wheelchair surprise giuseppe yeah. Canella
1: had a big surprise wow. for his mother-in-law <laughs> yeah when he put a jet engine on the back of her
3: wheelchair <laughs> and no brakes and he's a not picture. wearing a helmet, though.
2: <laughs> Look at sincere. the
6: picture.
1: That's the well. Like, he's wow. already in a no, wheelchair. <laughs> yeah, right. Wow. Well, he's got. Wheelchair. Wheelchair. I mean, <laughs> to go. yeah. holiday surprise. Well, he's
2: he's got he's got the brains to attach a rocket thing <laughs> to a wheelchair and then actually steer it and survive. So. I well, probably wear a once. helmet. I mean, he's got something going on upstairs. Well, yeah. her son-in-law has been collecting <laughs> money. Yeah, but, yeah.
1: her son-in-law has been collecting money for the Parkinson's Disease Society in hopes to collect up to fifteen hundred pounds during the shows at the British Model Flying Association National Champion. Yeah, but who's collecting for the uh, helmet fund? Mm-hmm. That- you know? well,
6: the thing is, the mo- guy's a model airplane guy, and he's, model airplanes, you can now buy genuine jet engines for your model airplanes. Oh, man. Yikes. Which, you know, it's hmm. not a clever thing, really, because you fly your airplane away, and then it's gone.
1: Mm-hmm. Okay. And then they call it a cruise <laughs> missile. All right, so what's the uh, the bad toy that I assume this is what we're going to give away?
6: Yeah, the one we're going to give away is I2. So, Shrinkster.com, Indigo 2, this is the one I want, because, you know... I keep running into this technology <laughs> that people just shouldn't build. Okay, oh. and USB rubber duckies is wrong. Oh god! Camouflage, glow in the dark USB rubber duckies is really wrong. <laughs> okay, I actually you really don't like that. make camo rubber duckies.
4: <sighs> All right, I from... think you guys would <laughs> I like appreciate. That thing. I wrote a paper for Bill G this, week, this year, part of his Think Week on all the misuses of USB out there. <laughs> and the is... rubber ducky made the list. You're kidding. No, oh no, it was there. We, we had the the Hello Kitty USB Hub, the personal fan, the aromatherapy, USB aromatherapy. <laughs> and my all-time <laughs> favorite, which turned out to be a uh... joke because it came out on April 1st, was the George Foreman USB Grill. Oh.
1: Awesome. <laughs>
4: Jeez.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Dave, we can't put anything past you. But be- did you actually know about the the rocket powered wheelchair?
4: Oh well, it was it was on like Engadget or Gizmodo or something oh, last geez. week. I think
1: this is insane.
3: You one, he's one step ahead. He's just
1: totally,
6: totally he's on nervous. it.
3: All right, so uh, <laughs> the camo is kind is really so cool. So, what
1: do these things cost anyway?
6: Uh, well, and basic the basic one is fifty bucks.
1: Pricing so. okay. Well wait a minute. Let's let's get a uh, the that middle one. This thing is so cool. It lights up and it's a memory stick.
2: I, I want one.
0: I
1: love the actually. the model I number. Really want the one. model number iduck-256. <laughs> That's the one we'll give away. <laughs> this one is a 256 memory storage device, uh 256 meg USB. Choose pink, yellow or blue. Oh wait a minute. So so what? No camouflage on that version? Or, the, Ar- uh, the Army camouflage Duck. Camouflage only comes in the little one.
3: Oh, yeah. actually, no. The 512 oh. is an Army Duck, too, but that's a little more pricey.
1: The little one.
3: Ah, okay.
1: Well, let's let's give away the uh, USB 2.0 memory storage device, the 512, because that comes in pink, yellow, blue, tangerine, uh, heart, or Army Duck. So let's do that one. And it's $329. bucks. Yeah. that will be a good prize. So, Richard, what Simulate. do these guys have to do in order to win right now? And
6: well I'm glad you asked this question because of course the tie between the i duck is the whole you know when I see a guy on a rocket powered wheelchair <laughs> I duck oh jeez <laughs> yikes uh, well you know so <laughs> you got to go with what you can go with so I'll make it an easy one find out how fast this stupid wheelchair can go Email it to Carl. Win yourself a duck.
5: Hello, my future girlfriend. <laughs>
1: okay, that was from last week. By the way, anyone who listened last week and uh, and uh, went to that site, uh, apparently it has some Trojan virus or something like that. So don't go to that site. We're gonna was it killed? Oh, the site was killed. Okay. Well, we're gonna put a link to the MP3, which we are pretty sure does not have any MP viruses in it uh, we think that's pretty much impossible but uh, so anyway if you have the answer send it to D, uh, what is it dot net rocks at franklins.net and uh, while you're doing that we'll just play a little bit of uh, play a little strawberry milk Hi, Daddy. <laughs> until we get the right answer. Congratulations, Julian K is our winner. Yay. Yeah, bravo! Yes, yes. Julian K, one of our uh, our our good friends and uh, you know constant <laughs> listener, and uh, you win. So, Julian, send me which style you want of the USB rubber duck, and uh, get your, the camo duck. <laughs> yeah, I think you ought to get the camo duck, and we'll we'll send you one of those. And what can I say, guys? It's been a It's been a great show, Dave. Thanks. What can I say? It's been awesome. And uh, come back and join us again sometime. We'll do. All right. From on behalf of myself, Rory Blythe, Richard Campbell, Jeff Masiolek, Kirk Webb. It's Carl Franklin signing off, saying uh, we'll see you next week. Geek out.